On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. We're going to talk about something that we haven't discussed very much on this programme. We're going to talk about the provision of services for children with disabilities because it has been something of a hot topic in the Dáil and in public life in general for the last couple of months. We learned in the last two weeks or so um, that of the around 2,000 people who are needed to provide services for children with disabilities, around a third of those jobs are currently vacant. We want to discuss, has it always been so? Why the gap now? And why is it that children who need uh, the provision of services and therapy to deal with um, disabilities or other conditions they may have are, are waiting so long for them. We are joined in studio by the Minister of State for Disabilities, Anne Rabbit. Uh, Minister, thank you for, for coming in. Um, someone has already uncharitably sent in a text saying, uh, why interview the Minister and not the advisor? Uh, I think a better question would be, why interview the Minister and not the HSE? And maybe we'll get to the division uh, of that in a couple of minutes' time because I know that your relationships with the HSE have, have not always been uh, brilliant. But uh, we'll start with th- that original headline figure that over 2,000 people are needed to provide services on the ground for children with disabilities and over 700 of those roles right now are vacant. Uh, has it always been so? Has there always been such understaffing? Or is it a case now that suddenly the workload has ballooned and, and there hasn't been the practitioners to, to meet that or, or how has the gap come up? There's two reasons Gavin why the gap has come up. First and foremost there's a lot of investment going in to, to disabilities at the moment particularly in relation to therapies and I'll tell you why when I seen the original budget two years ago when I became a minister the breakdown of it only 3% of the overall budget was being spent on therapies uh, of the 2.5 billion and I just go that can't be right and yet whoever texted in there about the advisor yes absolutely we sat down and we had a good chat about this and I said that can't continue I was, an adv- I was in opposition for so long and I know that early intervention is the key. So mm. you need to have the staff to do the yeah. job. So with that um, I set about in my budget 2021 and budget 2022 actually of, of investment into therapy posts and that is what has happened. So we've got the funding it's going there but the, the, the downside of it is yes there was also other recruitment going on in primary care and acute care and everything else. So everybody was going for the one pool. So to be fair to Minister Harris just in the last week he, he's now expanding what we are training within our colleges. So that needs to happen. Uh, And the other piece in it as well is we need to attract people into disabilities and give them a taste of it. So at the moment, you cannot get clinical experience if you're a third or a fourth year graduate in colleges because we don't have enough therapists to give them that that oversight. So there's a lot So we're not training enough therapists and that means because we're not training enough in the past, that means there aren't enough people to take Mm. on work experience or placements now. Yes, exactly. So what I'm looking at doing is, um, so yes, so there's a huge gap there on it but it's not a resource or a funding piece of it so what needs to happen to attract at this moment in time what we need to do is at this moment what I'm looking at doing with the HSE is I'm talking about um, the, the those that are qualified this minute it could take them three to six months to come through the whole core piece so we're actually t- looking to recruit them in while they're being processed through so make okay. them put them on the payroll straight away the other piece then as well is, is in looking at the people that are qualified in the UK actually verifying or validating their qualification so they could come straight onto the payroll okay. as well. And finally, what didn't happen last year was, and I wasn't aware of it until very recently, I would have assumed when we've a dearth of, of clinicians that they would be on the critical skills list. It's only now the HSE are putting them on for so, OTs and So physios. if you're a, an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist or, or even a speech and language therapist, that even if there was such a chronic shortage of those roles, they weren't actually considered to be ring-fenced as being critically necessary or that no. they shouldn't be prioritised for recruitment. That's correct. That's mad. Bonkers. Um, But it's being addressed now. Absolutely. 
Uh, and to be fair to to, um, to 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 Paul, when we met about a month ago, that that was one of the items we have the letters submitted over to the Thornishta. So that has we have we've okay. moved that along. Uh, Paul, in this instance, being Paul Reid, is it? That's exactly. Okay. It. Uh, and I'll come back to your relationship with the HSE because I know that you're on record as having some slightly um, strained relationships with them. But just to, to go back to the the original question, so if there's over two thousand people, or the full staffing of all these um, therapies and disability management teams will be two thousand people. Is is two thousand now a new target? Like, is there a shortcoming because you've identified two thousand as a target and you need to recruit to get there, or has it always been two thousand but it's never been fully staffed? Or how has the gap emerged? Um, it has never been fully staffed, Gavin. To be quite honest with you, and I suppose really with the development of the ninety one disability teams, and we've seen how many children are falling onto all of the teams. In actual fact, as the HSC have validated, there is more children with complex needs than they possibly had originally identified. Next fact we don't have enough staff at all and uh, when we recruit that 700 that still won't meet the need of because I'm currently talking and not talking instructing that we will put therapists back into special schools Mm. and then we need to see how the Department of Health and the Department of Education can work together to actually deliver therapies within education. And you're you're in favour of doing that you're in favour of having therapists based in the school because that's where a child will be rooted or oriented or familiar or happy or or whatnot, and that's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Um, Was was there a time where that used to be done and then the system changed? So what happened was the the system changed last year with the reform of PDS. So PDS is going on about 10 years and for anybody who doesn't know what PDS is progressing disability services. It's okay. going on for the last um, 10 years and I suppose it had started in, down in the Cork, Clare, Limerick side of things uh, and Kerry and they, they started the ball rolling where therapists were removed out of the schools and the HSC seen that as a really good model and as it happened to roll further on last year we seen what happened when we were moving therapists out, particularly in the East Coast mm. uh, and we saw that where you have children with complex, med- profound complex medical needs, removing the physio, the speech and language are the OT from them was leaving them with no resource whatsoever. Mm. So we actually last year, last May, we paused it. But prior to that pause, other schools, the therapists had been removed. And we mm. talk about Cork, um, for example. Sure. Um, you you mentioned, by the way, just in passing there, 91 uh, community teams. Those are community teams that are responsible for coordinating the delivery of services, presuming that the services are actually available to those people. Is 91... It, it sounds like it, you're almost creating more bureaucracy by having 91 different teams where maybe you could have things organised by by county or in big counties have them by subdivisions. But 91 seems like an awful lot of bureaucracy and that you're tying up a lot of people in admin rather than service delivery. All right. So there's two sides of that as well. 91 actually isn't enough because we have 96 primary care teams. So technically speaking, if you have primary care and disability, they all should over integrate. Mm. There should be that total integration. So I'm short five teams for that proper integration piece. of So you'd like there to be five more teams? Oh, absolutely. And then I would like also for there to be specialities. Let me tell you about specialities. So speciality would be to do with deafness. So last year, I'm going to have a PDS team solely to do for supporting children that are deaf. And I also want to do solely for to support children that are visually impaired because how you deliver a therapy to a child that is either deaf or visually impaired is very, very different to delivering therapies to children who don't have those additional needs on top of their disabilities. Yeah, sure. Um, 
you mentioned that early intervention is is the most important thing and of course all all practitioners will tell you that exactly as well and that if you have a, a child who is autistic for example that the most important time uh, to have therapies is before they reach the age of six or seven because that's the point at which they are best receptive to, to some of those therapies um, and yet there's supposed to be a legal obligation of the HSE to give you an assessment of need at which you can have a child diagnosed as being autistic within three months of their referral and right now I think the average waiting period is 17 months so if the important bit is early intervention and it takes 17 months to get an assessment and then whatever about the waiting times after that to actually get the therapies, then it doesn't really seem like early intervention is, is up to much at all. No, it's not working, to be quite honest with you, Gavin, and it hasn't worked. And so we know that the old system of assessment of need didn't work. Um, the HSE in January 2020 brought in the PTA, preliminary teams assessment, so you could have a, a, a quick assessment and it was mm. on a condensed timescale. And we now know that yeah, that there was doesn't a high, work. There were high court ruling a few yeah, months so ago that, that doesn't, that doesn't fulfil either. the legal yes. obligations. So we have to find a system was, that does Was work. that then, did that just get created so that someone who was on a long waiting list felt like they were being seen somewhere along the way, that you had an appointment with the HSE but that it had no legal standing that it didn't result in a diagnosis at the time it just almost seemed like again it was more bureaucracy it was tying people up to provide a service that wasn't really a service Well the HSE would say and I'm not a spokesperson for the HSE that at least a child got that assessment piece that if there was a critical need the intervention would follow very very quickly but 90 minutes does Does that actually happen? If you had a preliminary assessment of need and they were seen and there was a critical need Other, no, to, to be fair, I'd have to They be would fair. be referred for absolutely. a therapy Absolutely. So if there was a child with a complex medical need, absolutely. I have okay. to be fair to the HSE on that. But where we have... So uh, it, would, it would fast track some people for therapies because if, they, if they needed it. Yes, yeah, so HSE okay. is needs-based, whereas education is diagnosis-based. So you actually can't get a space in a special class or a special unit unless mm. you have that diagnosis. So there's the gap. Yeah. So in actual fact, we're not meeting the need of the child or the parent well, to get see, them to education. This is the point. This is why 17 months is such a, is such a, a terrible time to wait because uh, let's say in, in a hypothetical example a child will go and see their public health nurse when they are around two years old and there might be some some developmental issues that are identified at the time. They say, right, we're going to refer you for your assessment of need. Previously, they might have had the preliminary one, but that's now no longer has legal standing. So I don't know whether it's still happening or not. But you could be waiting 18 months for a full assessment of needs. The child might be three and a half. So if there are early intervention classes in local primary schools for, for autistic children or anyone else with a developmental uh, neurodiversity, they've already missed the boat for that. And then it could be another six or 12 or 18 months before you actually get to speech and language or occupational therapy or whatever. So by the time then they're actually getting the, the therapies, they're already of school age. So all of those educational advantages that are supposed to be there to help those children catch up are already gone because the system has conspired to delay the delivery of everything. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, Gavin, a lot of the listeners that are listening in to you would say you're incredibly optimistic in the timeline you're after putting really? out there. Absolutely. And Which imp- bit is optimistic? The 18, months for the, the 18, 18 months for the assessment? Um, is that optimistic? Yeah, Something what, you're legally required to deliver within three months. It's optimistic to get it within 18. What I'm saying to you is the parents that are listening in to you would say that would be very optimistic because that is not their experience. Even if they were to have that assessment done, they could be years waiting before they would have an intervention. Um, because everything is done on a priority basis. So as I've clearly said is that if there was an assessment done initially and Mm. there was a needs based on it, that child would be looked after. But the majority aren't complex medical needs. There is a complete bubble there of a lot of children who need speech and language or OT and also need that assessment to get into early years or to get into primary school. Yeah. 
and they're not getting it before they reach primary age. No, they're at not. All. Um, which sounds like obviously an obvious thing, but then I'm sure there are people texting or tweeting in or people listening who are going, but hang on, you're the Minister for Disabilities. So if you're saying you've you've now been in situ for two years and there was previous, you had uh, predecessors, Finian McGrath and it was before you, and these things are still happening. They'll probably say, well, hang on, you, you almost sound more like a commentator than no. someone who's actually able to fix things. So basically, as I said to you at the very start, uh, the outset there was, what have I done in relation to the 3%? Mm. I've created a, a lot of funding to mm. recruit those therapists. So like when you hear that there's the, I, I've put in 485 new therapist posts. There's no denying that. Okay. I spent 7.8 million in actually clearing a backlog when I came initially into post. That was cleared down to 99%. Then the PTA system was challenged, not working. I also carried out yeah. a review because I wasn't convinced. I was listening to the Oireachtas Committee um, for Children and for Disability Matters and they weren't convinced either because the clinicians were saying mm. this is not ethically correct. There needs to be more times. We cannot make a proper judgment in 90 mm. minutes. Carried out a review. So in tandem with all that is what I'm trying to, what I am doing now, as opposed to being a commentator, and you are right, mm. the book stops with me. I phoned the HLC to operationalise it. I actually now are looking at it not being operationalised yeah. and saying, 10 years of deciding on it, now I need to redesign PDS. Well, this is it, because if, you, if it's responsible for you to make sure that this stuff is operationalised, then this brings us to um, some of the newspaper reports of the last couple of months. So, for example, it was reported by the Irish Examiner that you had wanted meetings uh, with those disability teams on the ground. I don't know whether you wanted to meet all 91 of them or, or what level you wanted to, to try and meet with them, but that rather than meeting with them all as a Zoom call in plenary where they all have one rep on it, but you don't really get to talk to them, that you wanted to have meetings with each individual one. And the HSE said no. Now that kind of would would put a lot of fear into people that the HSE is not even accountable to the ministers that are responsible for the policy. Yep, um, that 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 is correct, um, Gavin. In that, who says no? Like, at what point when you put in that request, where does it come along that someone says, "No, nah, minister, sorry, I can't do that"? The, the answer would be not operationally feasible. But who says that though? Um, the, 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 the head of operations but we have moved on from that Gavin so it's important no, to no, say no, that no, 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 that's fine and, and, and I don't want to dwell over a, a logjam if the logjam no longer exists but that the, the head of operations of the HSC yes. that's um, Colm Henry the chief operations or Anne O'Connor the chief operations officer no it's time. Yvonne O'Neill so let's get the names okay, right here right. it's so, important so somebody, somebody in the HSC that intervenes you, the minister says, moved on from that. minister says say. I want to meet with all the disability teams I want to have one on one chats with them to discuss what the issues are to maybe try and identify log jams to try and work through this backlog that exists and someone says nah don't have the time yeah So, but we have moved on Okay. So what has moved on from there is we are having the meetings uh, and I can get into the granular of it. And sometimes people might not. There's different styles of ministers. I'm the minister who likes to get into the weeds because I know it's not been operationalised. Well, the weeds are things delayed. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm listening to what parents are saying. I'm listening to various commentators, what they are saying. And what I'm hearing is everybody is with, some would say within the HSC, but there's some really good experiences. I've yet to hear them. I don't hear them. But I need to understand what you are doing within your team mm. in, in various CHOs to actually where you identify there is a particular issue how you're overcoming it what resources do you need what policy changes do you need what mm. do I as minister need to do to change and that was why mm. I wanted the meetings they have started again and I have to thank Yvonne and Paul for facilitating that because what is happening now is I'm getting a clear understanding the roadmap piece that is being going to be put in place and hopefully soon published the chat about and it's not chat the reinstatement of therapists within special schools working with our partners in education Minister Foley and Minister Madigan, 
that will bring yeah. real change. Um, but it's it's obviously a very long running process and you've been in situ now for two years and there's going to be a ministerial reshuffle in December and you don't know whether you're still going to be there afterwards. So then there's a, a prospect that the system could close ranks and try to undo a lot of that progress or if they see your intervention as inconvenient to them, then they might try to, to stop that. Um, you were also reported as telling the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party a few months ago, yourself and, and Mary Butler, who's another uh, junior minister at the Department of Health, you reported as telling um, your, your colleagues that asking oral questions to you or coming to you and looking for updates on, on certain issues was pretty pointless because you couldn't get the information that the HSE would put up a wall to stop you getting that info and that they were better off putting in written questions, parliamentary questions to you, which could then be automatically redirected to the HSE because they were the gatekeepers to the info and you weren't able to get it. Now, Again, I don't know whether it's plausible for every minister to have every case file to hand. And of course, you're going to have to refer things to the HSE if someone wants an update. But the idea that two ministers who are responsible collectively for a budget in the billions uh, would be effectively locked out uh, by the HSE and unable to access any information at all, again, doesn't speak very highly of the relationship that you have with the HSE or that the department has with the HSE. And I suppose to contextualise that in the particular meeting in question where people were asking about individual cases, um, it it, it is important to say you will get a a quicker response by a parliamentary question than coming to us asking us for a a straight answer, needing to know it in the morning. We don't get it as quickly as that. Mm. A parliamentary question, there's a timeline on the turnaround of it where the HSE have to respond to it. Required to respond to it in a certain timeline. So so it does make some sense. But the idea that the, the tone that certainly seemed to be reported from that meeting was that yourself and Mary Butler felt very much at arm's length from the HSE or that you were sort of kept apart from the delivery of those things. Finding to get get quick answers isn't the quickest method sometimes for us. Yes. Um, Someone says it's great that the Minister is creating new posts but what is she doing about the recruitment and the skills gap? We need people to fill those posts. You've referred to Simon Harris sanctioning the recruitment of those extra therapists now to try and fill those gaps. And the critical skills list uh, and working um, also with recruiting um, perhaps graduates that are in train at this moment in time um, working with them maybe to help fund their final years that they might actually become part and parcel of our teams Mm. as well. Uh, My daughter was deemed urgent in June 2021 uh, says this texter still no support uh, determined to have complex needs but I'm still waiting on as much as a pamphlet nine months later. That, that's that's almost a textbook example of what, what's not supposed to happen isn't it? Yeah but that's also that comment is also reality of what is happening. Uh, bureaucracy is the government's only solution i.e. a load of people working at 50% efficiency and 100% costs. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a, a fair way because I'm sure everyone is trying their hardest but they're all maybe pulling in different directions. Uh, can you please thank the Minister for her support of Child Vision Dublin and ask her if the Cork branch are going to get the HSE funding that they so badly need? We discussed it um, just this week with CHO4 and we're waiting an outcome. Can you ask the Minister if there is any joined up thinking or collaboration between her department and other departments that fund vital programmes or schemes such as the Ability Programme? Many of these funds are due to expire and will result in expert and experienced staff being let go and vital services closed. Has her department investigated any of these programmes or services because they've had incredible impact and they need to continue? Absolutely. The Ability Programme is a flagship programme that falls in under Minister Humphreys that we got an extension under the Dormant Account Funding which supports approximately 2,800 and I think it's welcome as well Mm. and I am working on on it and will continue to but it's also welcome this week as well where Minister Humphreys um, made announcements herself from Minister O'Brien in relation to the TUS, the RSS and uh, the CE scheme where now people that are on disability allowances will be also able to participate. It's a particular mm. um, issue in rural Ireland where we have a lot of those schemes. Yeah. Um, somebody has, I, I won't name them because I don't know if they're, they're consented to be sort of named but they've they put their name on their, their message anyway. They say that they're a senior clinical psychologist in a disability team and they're being seconded to perform assessment of needs for 20% of their time. Can you please ask 
ask the minister why you're removing even more people from a disability team. Um, that is a, a local operational issue. I'm not telling anybody to be taken off any particular team, but we do need to have assessments done because if we don't have assessments done, children cannot get into their school placement. Mm. And to be quite honest with you, I'm also working with the HSE as to look at also how we can work with um, outsourcing some of these assessments so that they can actually develop more efficiencies. Mm. Um, I, I, I do need to let you go because we can't spend all this and I know you have other places to get to this afternoon. But on the 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 assessment of need and the the fact that it takes so long. Um, It really does solidify this idea of there being a sort of a two-tier society because if you're a family that has the means or if you're a family that, that is educated enough to be able to navigate the system, you might be able, after a child is identified as maybe being neurodiverse, you can go and pay for a private assessment. Uh, you can have that done relatively quickly. They're under pressure too because of the public backlog, but you can get that done relatively quickly. And then if you have the means, you can go and look for private uh, speech and language therapy or private occupational therapy. Um, you have the means to get into the early intervention units, which are basically not available if you're waiting for the public system. Um, it really does seem like there. It, it nothing more could seem to en- encapsulate the idea between the haves and the have-nots, that if you've got the money, you can navigate the system and then avail of the state's own supports for early intervention for, for autistic children and the likes. Whereas if you need the state to help you out, then the state's going to fail your child. And that's the nut I'm trying to crack. I believe in complete equality. I complete. That's why I believe in the whole PDS reform. It's equality and access to service regardless of what location you are in the country, Gavin. And that wasn't there in the past. That will be there now. So the next part of that then is is equitable access for assessment and for intervention. And that's why it's so important to work with our partners in education because that's where our children spend the majority of their time. So if we can work with our partners in education, and I've seen it done before in childcare, in the childcare I was involved with myself, where you give over that room where the therapist can come in. You have the feedback to the teacher, the feedback to the parent, and most importantly, mm. you have the child in there where they spend most of the time in their surroundings. You must know, is there a message that you have for, for parents who are navigating all this, who, who need you to be the champion for that sort of equality and who, not for any fault of your own, because I'm sure you're approaching it with serious relish and enthusiasm, but that they're not seeing that progress being made. They're seeing delay after delay and wait after the wait and bureaucracy after bureaucracy and they don't feel like that equality is ever coming. And I would say that when we relaunched the PTS roadmap that is currently in, in, in development between ourselves and the HSE and our partners in education, we should see that roadmap. We should see it open up, Gavin, because the therapists are there. It's how do we use the therapists most efficiently to get the majority of the kids? Where do they spend a lot of their time? They spend it in, in schools. The other side of this as well is we also need to look at how we actually go forward using our therapists, working with education in the delivery of the July provision Mm. and using our trainee therapists along with our trainee teachers to actually deliver that system during July. Uh, There is plenty to work through. Uh, Thank you very much for coming into Judith today to tell us about uh, some of the work you're doing. Anne Rabbit, TD, Minister of State for Disabilities and the Fianna Fáil TD for Galway East. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. It all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.